Hi friend, I'm excited for you to listen to today's episode because Tara Morrissey is one of my lifelong military spouse friends. We've both lived overseas together and Tara has a ton of experience having lived overseas so very much. The fun thing about living overseas as an American is we stick our foot in our mouth all the time with lots of cultural um, snafus and language barriers and all sorts of things like that. But that doesn't stop us from enjoying traveling and living abroad. I think the same is true for when we invite immigrants and really embrace immigrants in our country to know that, hey, they may not know the cultural norms of what Americans do, think, etc. And the language barriers can be great, but when we can connect over things like food, family, and just the love of humanity, it's so beautiful. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, I am here. Welcome to Immigration Law Made Easy on our Friday, some immigration good news, some sign episode. I'm here with the one and only amazing Tara Morrissey, who I have known since I had hair down the middle of my back when I was a brunette. I might even have been a Republican then. (laughs) Um, It's been that long. I I didn't even have all these kids then. Tara, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Hillary. It's great to be here. So the fun thing in in my perspective, there are many amazing, remarkable things about you is in a military spouse context, you have been stationed overseas more than anybody I have ever known. I think they might actually be like a military Guinness book of world records thing, because I don't know anybody who's been stationed overseas as many times as you have. You know, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, We love being overseas. Now, granted, we're not at the moment, but um, I've had the phenomenal opportunity to live abroad following my crazy fighter pilot husband um, to homes in, let's see, four different foreign countries now. Um, And it was about 13 years that we spent consecutively abroad. Consecutively abroad. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so tell me all those assignments, all the locations. Okay. Rather, like, let's not use base names, but what were the places? So uh, first, he was in South Korea. I can't say that I actually lived there with him, but I went to visit him for quite some time in South Korea. Then we lived in Germany uh, for about three years. From Germany, we went back to South Korea to a different assignment there for three years. From South Korea, we went to the UK and lived in England for just under three years. And then from the UK, we went to Japan and we're in Japan until just about a year ago. And now we're back in the US and living in Virginia. And you and I connected on your second round in Korea. We chased you to the UK. You guys went to Japan where we had previously lived like a lifetime ago. And that's when we moved to Phoenix. So like our paths crossed just for a little bit and then there was some chase and then now you're in DC, which is amazing. And I don't think we'll ever get the chance to be stationed in DC, but I know that it's an amazing experience for you and for your son and, and for your hubby as well. Thanks. Yeah, it really has been. I don't know that we'll ever get the chance to be back in Arizona either, but uh, fingers crossed. I hope that our paths can cross again. At some the point. sun is always shining for you here. Come as a visitor. I just recommend like November, December after that, because it's pretty hot right now. <laughs> I it. You know, it's uh, it's quite hot here in DC, not as hot as Phoenix, but uh, it's going to hit about 95 degrees Fahrenheit today. That is so very hot for DC. <laughs> for DC, it is quite hot. <laughs> That's very hot. Okay. So being 
being stationed overseas for 13 consecutive years. And for listeners who aren't in the military uh, network or at a spouse network like Tara and I are, usually you'll get stationed overseas maybe one time in a 20-year assignment. You And it might be for only a year, and it might just be your the active duty member, like the actual military member. And then for folks like me, we've been overseas quite a bit too. Um, and Sean's 20-ish years, he's been in the Air Force but we always moved back to the U.S., almost always moved back to the U.S. for an assignment, maybe for about three years. So you come home, you get reacclimated, you, you know, get your nail lady, you get your hair guy, you get, you know, your, your, your home comforts, and then you go back overseas and it feels like a stint. Tara, for you, it's like a way of life. So <laughs> you are, you are the, uh, the nomad uh, overseas, and I'm sure you've had some hilarious experiences, and I would love to hear what those are. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, we have had many hilarious experiences. Um, let's see. Good one to tell. The first one that really stands out was when my husband and I first moved to Germany and we were newlyweds at this point. Um, it was my first true experience of living abroad. And I had been studying up on the German language and local customs. And one of the biggest differences that I found um, in uh, that I had read about, I guess, was that when you're new to a German neighborhood, it's actually expected that the new person goes around and introduces themselves to the neighborhood, as opposed to, I feel like here in the US, it might be a little more the other way around. When you see someone new moving in, you go and introduce yourself. Well, in Germany, that's kind of football. So uh, I had just assumed that after a couple of days of settling in, I would go around to meet the neighbors and maybe bake them a little treat and some sort of peace offering to say, hi, I'm your new neighbor. But the lovely retired woman who lived across our street, Brigitte, she beat me to the bunch. And as soon as the moving truck showed up at our house to unload our crates full of furniture and belongings and everything that happens in these crazy military moves, Brigitte came over and knocked on the door with a big pot of hot coffee, which was amazing because we didn't have a coffee pot then and uh, a nice little house plant and said, welcome in, welcome to the neighborhood. We're so happy to have you. And she said she was so excited to have American neighbors so that they could practice what was already very good English that she and her husband had. And I told her that I was learning German and that my husband was already close to fluent. And she said that was a wonderful thing because none of the other five neighbors, uh, the five families that lived on our street spoke any English at all. And so we had a nice conversation and then she left and we unpacked our stuff. And um, a few days later, I baked a couple of dozen chocolate chip cookies thinking that was the quintessential American treat totally. to bring over to the neighbors. And I walked over to Brigitte's house first and we had a nice little conversation in English. And then she actually, it was so wonderful and so kind of her. She actually offered to walk me over to the other neighbors to introduce me and help translate if need be. And so we walked up to the next house, which is where her friend Uta lived with her husband and children. And I decided at that point, I was gonna give my very limited German a try. And I wasn't sure of the words that I needed, but I figured I had Brigitte with me. She could help fill in. So just to set the scene, it went kind of something like this. You know, knock, knock, knock. Oh, and uh, she came to the door with uh, her children behind her. And I said, ah, guten tag. 
Ish Haisa Tara, I'm Tara. And Brigitte then explained that I was the new neighbor. And then I held out the tray of cookies that I, and I wanted to tell her that I had a present for her. Uh, I couldn't remember the word for gift or present. So I figured I would just use the word in English and she kind of get the gist when I held out the cookies. So I said, Ish Haba, I'm gift for spy. And the two ladies burst out laughing and the kids behind her looked slightly terrified. So it turns out that in the German language, the word gift means poison. I essentially had just told my new neighbor that I was bringing her poison cookies. I'm going to poison you. <laughs> exactly. Cookies. So uh, that was the day that I learned the German word geschenk for a gift or a present. I haven't forgotten it since, but I have to say that it became a thing over the three years that we lived in Germany. That interaction became a joke throughout our neighborhood and was told over and over at barbecues and stuff. So that uh, when I think about, you know, odd interactions and funny things that happened, the fact that I, my neighbors thought I was trying to poison them when I moved into the neighborhood was probably one of the biggest ones. Well, thank God there was someone else there to like help bridge the gap. Can you imagine if they like bust out laughing, take the cookies and you leave and you're like, I'm never speaking German again. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny too. Um, another thing that happened uh, over the course of that same time, we had a little bakery in town and I went to see, uh, I went to the bakery to get a loaf of bread and again, trying to use my German. And this time I did a much better job with it. And I asked the lady for Einweissbrot, uh, white bread. And she said, oh yeah. And we had a little conversation in German and at this point, I, my nerves were kind of leaving. I was like, okay, I, I can do this. And I paid for the bread. And then she looked at me like deadpan straight in the eye and said, I give the better bread to the ones who try to speak German. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she had been an English speaker the entire time, but it, that actually boosted my confidence to try to learn the language a little bit more. So that was, that was a fun one. I mean, the good um, bread is important. The good bread is absolutely and important. And it is so important to show people that you are actually willing to try. Cause for me, I don't, I still don't speak Spanish fluently. Yes. And the main population I serve at the firm is a, a Spanish speaking population. And so I'll learn a, a word here or there, usually by saying the wrong word. I said something the other day and they were like, you realize that what you're saying is like, I'm hot for you. <laughs> and I was simply trying to say something like, man, is it hot enough for you? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I have stepped on um, more landmines than I have intended. Usually mine are always kind of just, just wholly inappropriate. So I, I guess that's the way it goes. It's it's very funny you said that because the other interaction that absolutely you know, stands out in my mind was not something that happened to me, but it was actually my husband. Um, and it had to do with translations too, but this time just within the English language. And that's a few years ago when we were living in the UK, and I believe you were in the UK oh, at the yeah. same time. Uh, so we found that in England, and I'm sure you experienced this as well, for the most part, the local style of dress was slightly more formal or dressier than we were typically used to. And so one day, 
a few of my husband's coworkers had invited him to go out to dinner after they had played a soccer match. And so he had a change of clothes in the car and it was just jeans and a t-shirt, but he decided that to go out to eat, he figured he needed a nicer pair of trousers than that. Oh, um, that would be, I love it. Yeah, that would be more appropriate. Exactly. <laughs> so he, he told the guys, hey, I'll go, I'll meet you at the restaurant. I just need to run home and put on fancier pants. And the group started laughing so hard and my poor husband was bewildered. And that's when he learned that pants in the UK are synonymous with underwear. So he had pretty much just told his buddies he needed to go home and put on fancy underwear. Fancy underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They didn't, live that, uh, they didn't let him live that one down for quite some time. Yes. Now I have this image of Van in like frilly underwear. And it's... <laughs> It's pretty awesome, actually. You can keep that image to yourself because I don't want that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to gift that to anyone else. That's so funny. Um, yeah, the living in the UK blew my mind just how many, not just the cultural differences. I mean, it was, it, it, but it was also how many words are different. We're both speaking English and yet we are like ships passing in the night on what we're trying to say. Where the trunk of the car is the boot. Mm-hmm. And yep. pants are underwear and boots are wellies and there's so many it's so many different things and it's not even slang like these are literally yeah. the words that they use for things so um and and you're kind of like I know what you're saying there's a very I feel like a slow processing computer where you're looking at someone and you're thinking I know that you're literally speaking the same language as me but I do not understand anything of what you're saying um, and it's not even an accent issue. It's the literal no. words. So. <laughs> yes. I haven't ever told anyone in England that I was going to put on fancy pants, but now I know that, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to do that, there's going to be, there's, it's a loaded sentence. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Tara, what's your favorite experience having lived abroad that you feel like is cultural related? Like if, you know, I know that you absolutely love Asian culture. I do too. I love European culture as well. Each country has its own flavor and, and take on everything. What's your favorite cultural experience? Goodness. It's so hard to narrow them all down. Um, I would say definitely one of, if not my very favorite cultural experience was at this past assignment when we were in Japan. I had the chance to become part of a Japanese friendship group. And what they did was they took five American women uh, from the base that we were at and paired us with five local Japanese women. And once a month uh, for the course of the three years that we were there, we would meet up and have a cultural exchange. So uh, every other month they would come to the base and we would show something that was quintessentially American. We did pumpkin carving. We took them to our grocery store and introduced them to peanut butter and jelly and cheese whiz and all the I terrible- I love other people's, gro- other countries' grocery stores. It's like yeah. a thing. I will make a point. Even if it's just like a 7-Eleven type place, I still want to go and check it out, yes. Absolutely. So we did that and then they took us to some local temples and uh, to a sake uh, distillery and just, you know, we had the chance to get together and, you know, 
share what we had in common and the language, even though you know we didn't necessarily speak the la same language, the barriers kind of got chipped away as we realized that we shared so many of the same life experiences and things that we just loved in life and showing pictures of our children or in their case, their grandchildren and uh, talking about attending school or having a job. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, thankfully, I am still in slight touch anyway with uh, some of those ladies now. And it was a memory that I, I can't imagine being in the country and not having some sort of a cultural exchange like that, but that is the one that you know, was probably meant the most to me. Yeah, it, it brings tears to my eyes as you were describing it because it, it is so true. I think that the beauty of immigration law in the U.S. is, I mean, the America is wonderful. It, we love it, right? It's, it's pretty freaking awesome. And it has so much to offer so many different types of people. And yes. yet at this end, and so they bring that to us, they bring that to the table and yes. enrich what we already have here because so many immigrants came before. And I think that going overseas and experiencing other cultures makes you come back and it's easier to identify the influence of those cultures here in the U.S. You get to start to see, it's like, when you eat a delicious chocolate chip cookie made by Tara Morrissey that doesn't have poison <laughs> and you know, it's delicious, but you don't know what the ingredients are. And then you go through and make it. You can be like, Oh no, I do think I taste the nutmeg or whatever the, you know, cinnamon, or I, I actually don't know how to really make chocolate chip cookies <laughs> clearly. Cause I don't think I'm thinking I'm making a pumpkin pie. <laughs> um, so you get to kind of start to identify those little ingredients that other cultures bring to the United States fabric, because we're so much more in the U.S. than like cheeseburgers, Natty Light, or Bud Light, if foreign is watching, um, and 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 denim jackets. You know, it's ironic that I'm wearing a denim jacket today, but we're so much more than that because of immigration law. Um, I have a hilarious uh, cultural experience to share with you. When I was studying abroad in India, I did a study abroad program in law school for I don't know six weeks or so in Delhi. And Sean came over, it was before we had kids. He came over, it was over the Christmas um, holiday and got in on Christmas Eve. And they had thrown us this big, the Indians had thrown us a big party. They don't, the, they were not celebrating Christmas, but they found a Christmas tree. There was an Indian guy dressed up as Santa Claus. Um, and they had, you know, wrapped presents under the tree. They had really gone all out. Wow. We had, and they also had Kellogg's cornflakes available for us because they had read somewhere that Americans love Kellogg's cornflakes. So I was like, at this amazing <laughs> Indian dinner, there was always, you know, the option for Kellogg's. <laughs> so I, maybe that's the, that's the, the British influence. Maybe the Brits are who love Kellogg's, but so that's there. Sean lands We're at, I'm sitting at the table at the dinner table with, Kind of a bunch of the I don't know high up people in the university, the doctor professors who are teaching the whole deal, and the dean, and we're chit chatting with them over dinner. And Sean is crying, and you know Sean, he's not exactly a, a, a public crier. And at, to that point, I had only ever really seen him cry once before, and it was in a very tragic setting. So him being, him being like 
you know, tears running down his face and having to wipe. He, he's like visibly emotionless, but yet crying. Come to find out later on, he had eaten what he thought was a green, but was a like insanely spicy green chili pepper thing. That's like, you know, you eat a tiny bit of it with your dinner to add some flavor to it. And he was afraid of violating cultural norms by like spitting it out. And like in Korea, in at the dinner table in India, there were just no napkins around for him to just spit this out into, no like paper napkins. So he just had to sit there and take it. And it is like roasting him and he's just continuing. And so I, when this happens, I look at him, I'm like, I know it's so beautiful. Like what an amazing experience <laughs> and just kind of like move on. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a moving thing. Maybe he's jet lagged. I don't know what's going on with him, but for like a week afterward, his stomach was not right because he was still just, you know, afraid of at the time violating this cultural norm of like spitting food out on his plate in front of everyone in India. So we all do silly things um, as Americans abroad, and that's okay. Um, Tara, thank you so much for joining us on this Immigration Law Made Easy episode. And we'll link to um, any info that you would like for people to come check you out and befriend you because you are amazing and we need to share you with all of our listeners. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, one of uh, the things that I've been doing out here recently has been uh, proofreading papers for non-native English speakers. I've been doing a lot of that in the last year. So yeah, I would love that. And Hillary, thank you so much for having me. Uh, This was wonderful. It was so nice to catch up with you. Yes. Thank you so much, Tara. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. My friend, I'm so glad you joined me today. If you have a friend or family member who may need some immigration law guidance or even just day-to-day encouragement, please send them a text or email or a DM on social media and say, hey, I think this podcast is gonna help you. I sure wish someone had given me the tips I'm sharing here years and years ago when I was starting out as an immigration lawyer. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Adios.